What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Episode 792 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and never forget the scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. We promise that we are not going to be talking about the dog every episode. <laughs> but it is a... But today we are. Well, it's a... It's still a new development. Yes. It is still very much something that we are adjusting to. For example, we have started this show, <laughs> this one right here, <laughs> more than one time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And had to stop because of the terrorism that was occurring <laughs> off pod. Yeah. Well, no, it was on pod. It's just not going to make the air because we've had to start twice. Yeah. So we appreciate everyone's patience as we continue to try to adjust to this new normal. Sweepy is going to be 11 weeks on Monday and she She is already over doubled in size. She had her first vet appointment on Wednesday. Yeah. Already doubled in size and she's starting to gain an increased sense of independence and uh, typical bulldog obstinance is learning a lot about what we eat and taking great interest in the food that we eat. She is definitely learning that there are the things that we put in our mouths. Yeah. Our food. Yes. And that they are tastier options than, than what she's being fed. Dry kibble ass dog food. <laughs> so it's it's been. I may have ruined her. I made a brisket a couple weekends ago yeah. and gave her just the smallest sliver. And it was like, have you ever seen that meme or the gif of the little girl who has the cotton candy and she's just. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just like that. Yeah, that was a good brisket. That was a very successful Why, thank you. brisket for you. Why, thank you. You've been trying to perfect your brisket. You made it happen. Let's not act like I've really gotten it close before. I've been trying to not fuck it up, and finally I did one that was fucking legit. It was very good. Yeah. You are now ready to invite people over and feed them the brisket because you have perfected it. Well, no, no, no. I am now proficient, I think. Okay. Perfection. Yeah. I'm probably overselling it. That's... No, no, no. It's really fucking good. I mean, it's okay, you know. Wow. Turned a corner. You'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so can we also talk about, uh, oh, by the way, vet checkup, everything was fantastic. The vet's office, 
I don't think they were selling it when they were just told us how much in love of with her they were. Yes. And when they posted pictures of her on their Instagram. Yeah, it was very nice. But the other thing I, I, I want to talk about is well, the other day we've been walking. We got the stroller. We've talked about that. We were down down on uh, Florida Avenue mm-hmm. next to a CVS. You ran in to get Band-Aids to repair your bloodied stump of a foot. Mm-hmm. Because of blisters from walking. Mm-hmm. I chose and the wrong footwear. That is right. And I took a picture of Sweepy that's on her Instagram, at Bully Sweepy, Sweepy. Yes. And uh, it's of her panting for the first time because it was like 80 fucking degrees. Mm-hmm. Well, the very next day in that exact spot, yeah. someone was robbed at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. In fact, when the guy who was robbed described the situation, he said that the guy stuck a gun in his stomach. Yeah. And demanded their their 12-week-old puppy. Yes. And then hours later, Mm -hmm. in another part of D.C., the same people, the police believe, armed at gunpoint, Mm -hmm. robbed at gunpoint, excuse me, another couple who had their Frenchie, their one-year-old Frenchie. Bruno. And it was taken, yeah. Yeah, so So the first dog has been found and recovered. Bruno, the one-year-old French bulldog, has not been found so if you live in the D.C. area, please Google Bruno, French Bulldog, D.C. I'm sure pictures oh, yeah. and articles will come up. If you see the dog, if you see the dog on Facebook Marketplace or wherever, um, it's it's important to watch out for that because I cannot imagine being in that situation. So sad. So also, upsetting. Also, just it's a different situation. We're probably going to get people call in. What'd you expect? You moved to D.C.? <laughs> Um, it's a different situation to have to be that vigilant about oh, yeah. your spatial awareness and who's around you. And we're all, both of us are a little on the paranoid side like that, but it's to a different height. Yeah. Uh, it's to a different, different degree. Uh, said another way, both of us are trauma survivors. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're both hyper vigilant individuals, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm fucking Jason Bourne or anything, but I'm. Uh, you know, aware. Yeah, but I credit that again to being a trauma survivor, which has created within me at times a pathological sense of hypervigilance. A a deep paranoia for for random... uh, uh, What am I thinking of? Uh, Interactions with people. Like, oh, were they trying to scam me or are they really trying to just see what time it was? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I definitely think it has been more of an asset than anything else. I believe that too. In my life, I would say like, I don't, I don't think if I had to choose, I don't think I would say it would be a hindrance. I, I'm sure for a lot of people it is. It can be very pathological. Um, With you, it's not debilitating. No, definitely yeah. not. And I think it helps me, like you said, maintain a sense of awareness because in front of that CVS, actually, someone tried to get me to get in their car. <laughs> for example, he uh, was pretty adamant that I had called an Uber and that he was the Uber I did not call an Uber. And it was not an Uber. And he, I was across the street watching it happen. I had just been having a conversation about the dog with the guy. He didn't pick anyone up in his Uber. <laughs> it didn't look like an Uber, by the way. There was stuff in the back seat. So things like that yeah, is yeah, what I mean. For sure. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for joining us today. Episode 792. Yep. Getting closer to 800. We are. And it's all because of you. Absolutely. Not you. 
the audience. Oh, two things. I want to <laughs> I want to thank the audience for all of the feedback that we've gotten on uh, training Sweepy and the different tips and tricks that people have sent in that they have used that have worked for them. That has been very helpful and we very much appreciate it. We also appreciate the love that we have received for Sweepy and how excited everyone is to be following her journey and how she's growing. It has been very nice. On a personal note for me, I want to say thank you to the audience for the messages that I received after I talked about my dad's suicide on the mm, show. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't thanked everybody since I talked about that, but I do appreciate people who reached out and sent me their own stories, sent me their own struggles, and it was it was very moving to read some of those messages. So I, I appreciate everyone who reached out and the positive words that you shared with me. So thank you. I mean, there there are, as one would imagine, a lot of listener communication that comes through that doesn't make the air. Yeah. Uh, unlike this call that we're getting ready to play right now. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Dan from California. Hey, I uh, just wanted to respond to your kind of mask, you know, mandate restriction, uh, you know, component of your last episode. Um, you guys know I travel for work. Uh, I, I haven't been doing that for two and a half years, but we're back at it now. And I just got back from 10 days in the UK. And it is shocking how no one gives a single fuck. Uh, our work group that was over there, you know, for the protection of, of each other and the fact that, like, positive tests cancel what the events were there to do. Um, we all, you know, obviously wore masks and did our best and, you know, took tests every day and, and tried to, you know, do what we could. Uh, when we could require the crews working our events uh, to mask, we did that. All that kind of stuff. But the average person, even my friends in the UK who are reasonable people who have been taking COVID serious, are just done with it. And I didn't see a single mask on a person that wasn't related to our traveling group. Pretty wild. Only to come back to California and still, you know, our mask mandate is lifted. But if you go to the grocery store, at least where I live, it's 85% just voluntary. It's it's really nice to see that people still give a shit about each other. Um, and now uh, I'm actually driving to the airport to go back to New York uh, to do another thing uh, where the mask mandates have been reinstated for indoor stuff and, uh, uh, you know, happily so. So it's interesting to see how pe different people have different uh, uh, relationships to it. The, the attitude in the UK was very much like the attitude in the South here. They're just kind of done with it. We've, you know... They're, they're just done dealing with it. And so if they just act like it doesn't exist, then, you know, they can ignore their numbers going through the roof currently. It seems like such a small little thing to do that allows you to, you know, between vaccines and masking and, and you know, a quick little negative test. If you just take a couple little steps, you can do 99% of everything with, like, relative uh, assurance that you're going to be safe. Like that congressional dinner, why did they just pop a freaking rapid test? Yeah, it can still get through, but it probably would have got caught. And then that person doesn't go, and then you can just enjoy, enjoy your dinner without having to think about it. Uh, you know, every uh, work environment I'm in, you have to negative test every day at the beginning. But then once you everyone's tested in, you're kind of a closed circuit for the most part, and you can more or less just do your thing and know it's not just going to like run rampant through everybody. So anyways, I think that this is, you know, just more selfishness slash just not giving a fuck like, like usual. Just do your, do your couple minimal things and you can live your life, you know, relatively normal. And we've been at that point for a year and why we can't get it fucking figured out. I don't get it. But anyways, guys, uh, yeah, I love seeing people just of their own volition still wearing masks. I think that's really nice that, that everyone seems to, uh, be doing their part. 
and uh, love the show. Keep up the good work. Would like to note, because of the comment about in California, 85% mask adherence, that Dan does not live in Orange County. That is right. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I don't live there anymore, but I lived there for 10 years. Longer than that. Th- 12 or 13. 12, 13 years. Yeah. And I experienced the pandemic there, and I do not believe that that is currently happening, given the number of people that I witnessed coughing on vegetables or fake sneezing on people (laughs) in Orange County. Well, here, this is, this is what is perplexing to me. It's this, this, you're hearing people just done with it. They're over it. Mm Mm-hmm. So they stop the precautions. They stop wearing a mask to take care of themselves and others. And then they end up with it. Like people, I know people, we know people right now in our lives who are taking it fucking seriously, Mm -hmm. who just got it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, they have children Mm -hmm. and kids are going to be kids. And um, whether their children are trained up and, and, and um, being vigilant about it, to use the word again. Um, some people's kids aren't, and then they can bring that home. Mm-hmm. But we know people who are doing the right thing. So imagine these people who aren't doing the right thing because they're quote-unquote over it. And right now we're witnessing what is happening because of that, because of the people being over it. If you look at the stats, tests are down 1% over the course of the last 14 days. Hospitalizations down 12%. ICU beds down 22%. And deaths are down 28%. All of those... Uh, except for the testing, are lagging indicators, which means if something happens, we're not going to find out about it until, you know, 10 days or two weeks after the the spike. Mm-hmm. But the spike has begun. Right now, cases are up 32% over the last 14 days. So these people, now I know he's talking about the UK, but the same can be said as in, in, in the United States. We're seeing spikes in covid all across the country because people are over it. And Dan's sentiment about them being selfish, I think ultimately it does, even if it's because you're just tired of it, ultimately it is selfishness that your tired of it thing is causing you to not take care of people around you. Well, especially because people who have been personally impacted by this, whether they have lost someone close to them in their life or they were seriously ill when they contracted COVID themselves. Those are people that are still taking it seriously. So you have the people who don't have that lived experience disregarding the experiences of other people and what they have shared about their own experiences. Yeah. But I like what Dan said about how these are things that allow you to keep living your life as normal. And I think that's the way that people need to think about it. There's this push to, quote unquote, return to normal. And I think we need to just do away with that. That doesn't exist anymore. We're not going back to whatever was before. Masking should be a consistent part, a tool that we use going forward during flu season, when you feel sick. It's just an extra precaution that should be normalized. Instead of being so eager to never have to wear a mask again. Exactly. We should just, just weave that into the fabric of our lives when you're sick, when you wear, go get on a fucking plane, just wear a mask. Absolutely. I mean, listen, 986,448 Americans have died from COVID. We're going to be at a million in a month or two. So tragic. And remember the fervor with which people 
uh, um, dealt with this disease in the beginning. It was fear, mm-hmm. paranoia, people, but justifiably so. We, we were like, how are we going to deal with the groceries we bought from the store and brought them into the house? What do we do with those? Do we wipe them all down? What is it? And people, because they've gotten used to it, eh, it's not a threat anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like watching uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, no one knew how to deal with the fucking zombies. And by the end, they're pretty much like just checking their watch while they have their hand out holding the head of a zombie back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like an adult would be to a kid who's trying to attack them and punch them. And for the record, you do not know the end of The Walking Dead because you stopped watching it like three seasons in. W- yes. I think it's on like season 38 or something. <laughs> at this, and there's <laughs> right. like five spinoff shows. We that, just, yeah, that's true. So I just want to clarify. This is going to sidetrack us. For you sure. don't actually know where they ended up. Maybe they started getting more scared of him again. They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for derailing my metaphor, Brittany Page. You're welcome. That I is just, fantastic. Listen, I'm just trying to save your reputation because I know that you don't want people to assume that you are consuming all of the Walking Dead content. I don't care if it was good. <laughs> if it was good, I wouldn't care. It's not good. <laughs> yes. Also, we're here. We're going to talk about for for a couple seconds. Okay, here we go. I don't know if it was season three or not, but we, I quit watching when they, um, who'd they murder just brutally murder? Glenn. Glenn. Mm-hmm. It, sorry, spo- I mean, fuck, it's years ago. But when when the, the guy with the baseball bat and the spikes, yeah. when he fucking just gruesomely beat that guy to death, I'm like, I'm not in it for this. I think he, he turned into a good guy. They, I don't they, fucking know. I, I, we, we stopped watching. When I say he turned into a good guy after you just said he brutally murdered someone, I mean, they somehow like saved his character and redeemed him <laughs> somehow. No, 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 no. I'm not He's saying- a great guy. <laughs> Fantastic guy. Uh, yeah. It didn't work out how I wanted it to. Barbed wire baseball bat. Good <laughs> fucking guy. Good times. Anyway. anyway, Dan, thanks for the call. We appreciate it very much. This is a conversation that needs to continue. Uh, maybe in perpetuity. Who fucking knows? I mean, is it convincing people? I don't know. Can people be convinced to care about other people? It's something that we grapple with. People are with. convinced when I say it. It's something we grapple I, with all the time. I know. People are like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. All of a sudden. That guy is super logical. They're going to start caring about people because of you. <laughs> That's a great legacy. It, listen, if there's anything that I'm going to leave behind, it's a great legacy. <laughs> if you too would like to call, we, we welcome you to do so. It helps us move the conversation forward. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone, just like Dan in California did. And I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. So we've been following these various states that are taking us back in time, following all of the Republican attempts to curtail human rights in various red states. And Alabama is the latest. Next up. To criminalize gender-affirming care for transgender youth. 
Some families and doctors are now suing the state of Alabama after the governor signed a bill criminalizing transgender health care for minors. Last week, Alabama became the third state in the nation to pass a measure restricting gender-affirming care for transgender and non-binary youth, but it's the first state to actually impose criminal penalties. The law would make providing that care a felony, punishable by up to 10 years in prison, and unless it's blocked by the courts, it's set to go into effect on May 8th. NBC News correspondent Yamiche Alcindor joins us now from the Alabama State Capitol in Montgomery. Good morning. So let's start with the care itself. I know you've talked to some transgender teens. I've spoken with many over the years who talk about how important this gender affirming care is. What is it they told you? Families that I talked to here in Alabama say that it would be detrimental to young transgender Americans who are seeking to just be who they say they are. Um, I talked to one young lady in particular, Harley Walker. She's 15 years old. She said that this care was what got her through the hardest times of her life. Take a listen. Um, just being able to be who I am. Um, really kind of saved me and I was going through such hard mental health at that time and if I would have continued going on that path um, I would have gotten severe depression and even maybe thought had thoughts about suicide and because I just am I was not happy I was not who I was and so it saved my life pretty much and it um saved my mental health and it has benefited me in so many ways now. What she's saying is echoed by so many other young people who say that this care that they're getting really is what is the difference between them going into severe, severe mental health crises. Now, Harley herself, um, she is on puberty blockers. I talked to other young people who are who are going through things um, similarly, and they tell me that this care is needed and that this care can't be taken away. Harley also said that she would have to move out of the state of Alabama, leaving her brother behind, who is in the National Guard here. So this is uh, a care that she says will have to literally change her life and upend her. That's a decision so many families are faced with considering whether they need to move to another state. Yamiche, as we mentioned, the law bans gender-affirming care for people under 19. Anything else about this law we should know about what it does? This law also restricts um, the bathrooms that students can use. The law says that they have to use the bathroom that um, aligns with the gender that they were assigned at birth. It also compels school officials to tell parents if a child um, says that they are transgender or having is- having those sorts of of issues and realizations. Um, this law also tells parents um, that they can, that they have to essentially um, n- not t- get, not give their child um, the, the care that they need. So this is really a law that also, I should say, um, limits the way that you can talk about gender orientation, sexual orientation in school. So a, a version uh, opponent, say, of the Don't Say Gay Bill. So it's limiting the talk in school. It is requiring teachers to disclose to parents if a child in school says that they feel that they are a different gender. So it's it's more than just criminalizing gender-affirming care. It's also checking these other boxes that we're seeing in Florida and elsewhere. They're getting ideas from other states, and they are yeah. implementing those. And these bills are covering more ground, taking away more freedom, taking away more rights, and creating more harm. It is, I mean, obviously it's a dangerous situation, but it also just, 
when can we dispense with this family values party mm-hmm. mantra? When? When they are putting children, fucking kids, in harm's way. I mean, just, it is the fascist party. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Full fucking stop. Well, and I'm also starting to have this sense of irritation that I think we have long heard from progressives. That is, what does it matter if Democrats are in control if these issues keep popping up? I mean, Republicans are reshaping this country. Yeah. And we have a Democratic president, a Democratic majority in Congress, and still, we have this rising tide of Republicans reshaping rights in this country. And it's not just the gender-affirming care. It's also the right to abortion. And Florida and Kentucky just became the latest two states to pass additional abortion restrictions because they know the decision on Roe is coming in June. And we can throw, I want to, we've got a clip on that, but we can also throw, to, to kind of throw a monkey wrench in here, we can also throw voting rights in. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of fighting tooth and nail for the rights of Americans, Democrats led by Joe Biden are seemingly content to, well, let's, we got to do it in a bipartisan way, as though Republicans respect that, as though they're going to play bipartisan rules when they get into power. As though they're doing that right now. Right, yeah, that's right. There's no good faith on the other side at all. Right. No. It's just disgusting. They're taking charge. And like you said, the abortion battle, is we've got the, these three, four-pronged approach of stripping away people's rights. And, and the most damaging of those are absolutely the trans, but then also this rising tide, to use your phrase, uh, restrictions on abortion on in several new states state legislatures across the country continue to pass new restrictive abortion laws just today florida's governor signed a 15-week abortion ban into law that comes right after kentucky's new abortion bill was implemented one that opponents say effectively shuts down all abortion access in the state john yang has more um, Kentucky's law took effect yesterday after the state's Republican-controlled legislature overrode Democratic Governor Andy Brashear's veto. Both the ACLU and Planned Parenthood immediately asked a federal judge to block the new law, saying it violates the current Supreme Court limits on what states may do about abortion. Shafali Luther is a health reporter for the 19th. That's the nonprofit online news organization that focuses on the intersection of gender, politics, and policy. Shafali thanks so much for being with us. A lot of provisions in this bill. What are the most salient uh, things in this bill? What is it? What exactly does it do? So you're right. This bill is 60 pages. It is absolutely mammoth. And it's gotten headlines for its 15-week ban for restrictions on medication abortion for new requirements for minors who want to receive abortions. But arguably the most important thing it's done is it has imposed all of these new regulations on how abortion clinics operate, requiring them to publish the names of all of the medical providers who perform abortions, requiring them to register different processes with the state under programs that don't yet exist. The restrictions are so much under programs that aren't really enforceable yet that the clinics have no choice at this point but to stop performing abortions because they have no way to comply. 
So the two outpatient abortion providers in Kentucky, you say they have they they have had to stop. And what's this doing to women in Kentucky who want to terminate their pregnancies? There are no clinic-based options for abortions at this point in Kentucky because you're right. There's Planned Parenthood and there's EMW. Hospitals perform some abortions, but it's a really tiny fraction, maybe a dozen out of more than 3,000 abortions done every year. So if you live in Kentucky at this point and you want an abortion, really your only option is to travel out of state. The next nearest places are Indiana, maybe Ohio, maybe Tennessee, but those can be long, expensive journeys and an abortion is already a very expensive, inherently unplanned expense. Already today, we saw not only this law go into effect, but in Florida, Governor DeSantis signed a 15-week ban on abortion. How do these these things fit in as uh, to what states are doing as we wait for the Supreme Court to hand down its abortion ruling uh, before summer? What we're seeing is... In particular, Republican leaders of states are trying a variety of approaches to try and restrict abortion as much as they think is feasible in their states. Governor DeSantis of Florida is particularly interesting because it seems that the appetite maybe isn't there for a total ban. They're trying to suggest that maybe a 15-week ban could be more palatable. A 15-week ban is what's being debated in front of the Supreme Court right now. What we'll note is that both sides have a lot of issues with even that as a restriction, right? A 15-week ban means if you have a fetal anomaly discovered later in pregnancy or if you have lesser means had to travel further to get an abortion, you may not make it in time. So I thought that was an interesting point about Florida and Ron DeSantis and how the 15-week ban is what they decided to go with. And of course, that is, as she stated, that's what's being uh, decided with the Supreme Court with the Mississippi law is banning abortions after 15 weeks. But of course, Florida could have been more stringent about it, like other states have been. In fact, you're starting to see it be more common that there are no exceptions for rape or incest or that there are additional obstacles for that, like in Idaho, where you need to show a police report right. uh, and have reported your rape in order to get an abortion. They're and, gatekeeping health care. And that used to be something that I think was widely accepted within the Republican Party, was that it was logical to have exceptions for rape and incest even when it comes to abortion but now we're starting to see in these various states that that is not always the case well they see on the horizon the very eminent horizon here time-wise the supreme court ruling the way they're going to rule yeah and again what what is the democrats plan going to be what is their strategy going to be what do they what are they going to leave on the table to do to combat that when 15 or 20 states across the union are going to make it illegal outright if the Supreme Court rules the way that we think they're going to rule. Are they going to pack the court? Are they going to do what's necessary to take to take drastic measures in the face of this regression, bringing us back to the 1950s? Yeah, so if you are interested in donating to an organization, if you need to find an organization to help funding with an abortion, if you want to promote an organization that helps with that, you can go to abortionfunds.org, and that is a website that helps people find funding, get help, find a clinic, and also you can you can donate there. There are various offshoots. I, I believe D.C. has an abortion fund, and we talked about the one specifically for the Pacific Northwest on a previous show. So there are these abortion funds that exist to help 
people still access abortions, but of course they're not going to be able to help everybody who, who needs one, who wants one. It's very similar to when there is a rise in hunger, food banks cannot provide, they do not have the infrastructure to provide food for people. It's the government that needs to step in and ensure that people have money through food stamps and government assistance in order to meet those needs. It's the same thing here where these organizations are trying to fill a need, but they are not going to be able to fill the need when you only had two outpatient abortion clinics in Kentucky before this happened. And now those two clinics are not able to provide abortions. Yeah. Unbelievable. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporter, Dub K Dad One. Dub K, that is a familiar name, Dub K Dad One. It is a familiar name. Longtime listener, longtime supporter of the show. Welcome back to Patreon. Welcome back. And we very much appreciate all of our listeners, all of our supporters, everyone who has been patient with us as we navigate not only this chaotic move in the midst of a pandemic all the way across the country, but also getting a puppy who is increasingly obstinate and <laughs> not willing to cooperate in but many ways. So, so beautiful. So beautiful a and precious. Perfect angel sometimes we have (laughs) there are caveats we have started singing to her which she doesn't like we'll hold her and sing to her about how beautiful she is (laughs) and she will try to attack my face hole well we're working on that i don't mean angrily she wants to play yeah it's playful but we still don't want the face snaps to be a thing (laughs) ideally what we need to do is channel that face snapping Into dog nappers? Yeah, like, you know, Republican neighbors or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I see where you're going. I see where you're going. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for all your support. We could not keep doing what we do without you. All right, moving on. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as part of the investigation with the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection on January 6, 2021, new information is being revealed. Mark new Meadows text messages. Yeah, new text messages. Mark Meadows turned over uh, a veritable trove of information and then withdrew his pledge to be cooperative. But the things that he did provide are no now take backsies. Yeah, they're 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 becoming public. And there are some pretty damning text messages between two separate GOP lawmakers to the White House. Mike Lee. Mike Lee. Chip Roy. And Chip Roy. One in the Senate, one in the House. And uh, not good. Senator Mike Lee of Utah and Congressman Chip Roy of Texas, two of former President Donald Trump's most loyal defenders in Congress. 
but in dozens of private texts to Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, a picture emerges of how both went from aiding the effort to challenge the election results to ultimately warning against it. The texts obtained by CNN show how they were trying to help initially, but by the end, raise concerns to Trump's top deputy about his campaign's effort to stand in the way of the certification of the 2020 election. We're driving a stake in the heart of the federal republic, Roy warned Meadows in a text message on January 1st that is in possession of the January 6th Select Committee. All my friends here in the free- His stark warning came after weeks of begging Meadows for hard evidence of election fraud and concerns that the lack of specific evidence was a real problem for the Trump legal team. We must urge the president to tone down the rhetoric, he wrote to Meadows on November 9th. Why is the attorney general- Roy did believe that there were problems with the election. In early December, he went to the House floor, imploring his colleagues to look into the thin examples of fraud. The American people are raising legitimate questions about our elections, and this body is missing in action and doing nothing. Like Roy, Senator Mike Lee started out hopeful that there was a path to challenge the election results. In early November, he touted the work of conservative lawyer Sidney Powell, encouraging Meadows to get her an audience with the president, calling her a, quote, straight shooter. But less than two weeks later, Powell appeared with Rudy Giuliani in what would become an infamous press conference where the duo made wild, baseless claims about the election. President Trump won by a landslide. We are going to prove it. Lee then changed his tune, calling Powell a liability and turning his focus to touting attorney John Eastman. Lee pushed a plan to convince state legislatures to offer up a set of alternate electors. When that plan fizzled, Lee decided he was no longer on board. He texted Meadows on December 16th, quote, I think we're now past the point where we can expect anyone will do it without some direction and a strong evidentiary argument. Both Lee and Roy ultimately chose not to join other Republicans to vote against certifying the election. Our job is to open and then count. Open, then count. That's it. That's all there is. Privately, they were even more emphatic about the fool's errand Trump's team was on. The president should call everyone off. It's the only path, Roy texted Meadows on December 31st. While Lee argued the effort was on dangerous constitutional ground. Three days before January 6th, he warned, I know only that this will end badly for the president unless we have the Constitution on our side. They did not, but the Trump team and a group of loyal Republicans went ahead with their plan anyway. As it became clear their effort would not be successful, hundreds of Trump supporters stormed the Capitol in protest. As the violence was raging, Roy texted Meadows, fix this now. Does the gentleman from Texas... He then went to the House floor and placed the blame squarely at President Trump's feet. And the president should never have spun up certain Americans to believe something that simply cannot be. So they're CNN. They're original reporting. Exactly. And CNN reached out to Chip Roy and Mike Lee's representatives uh, for comment. And Chip Roy's representative said that the texts speak for themselves. Of course, that's what they said. And Mike Lee's representative says that the texts do not contradict public statements that right. he has made. Well, the the, the texts that they didn't uh, read in this particular um, news package are when Mike Lee is just begging the White House to tell him what to say. I just need to know what to say. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> what? You, you're the, uh, I mean, he's the, 
quote-unquote more respectable Ted Cruz type. Mm. He's the constitutional libertarian guy. And he's begging the White House, this fascist White House, to tell, what talking point should I use, guys? Help me out. Do you think that you used Ted Cruz as an example there? Do you think Ted Cruz is concerned about what text messages may be coming out in future reporting that you, he... Yeah, you said that to me today, and it's a thought that I hadn't had, and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, if Ted Cruz had a soul, it's <laughs> it's being squeezed right now. It's oh. he's He's pretty... He's got to be shitting his pants. Who who else? Who else is worried? Who else? Maybe is... Holly. Maybe Josh Holly. Uh huh. Um, I don't know if Tommy Tuberville or Tuberville. I don't know how the fucking idiot pronounces his name. Uh, I, I don't know if he's smart enough to be concerned, mm-hmm. or if he even has the juice to to be. You know, like it's not like he has a reputation. He's just a dumb fuck college football coach. Mm-hmm. But. There's a few of them. There's a few of them. I hope we don't have any college football coaches as listeners. Well, they wouldn't Since be you dumb. Just fuck. Launched a vicious attack. Uh, he's a dumb fuck who also <laughs> is a college football. Just happens coach. to have that. No, no, it's it's stay in your lane. You're a college football coach. It's like Herschel Walker. Stay in your fucking lane, bro. What does he know? Very little, I'll tell you. Well. I've seen some of the statements. So. It's like when people tell me, oh, you should run for office. You should, you should run for president. I get that on YouTube all the time. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not smart enough to be president. Not a good president. So we unfortunately have to transition to a more tragic story that happened with another police shooting of an unarmed black man. I finally, and I finally was able to to, to watch it. These, did you? They bother me a lot. Like you were like, "Hey, have you seen that?" And I'm like, "Ugh, I, I, I can't." But to eat, to be able to talk about it on the show, I mean, it it took a lot out of me to see it. I, I, had I mean, to, it's it's a summary, it, it's a summary execution. It absolutely is. It is taking his gun, put it to the back of his head, and pulling the trigger. Yeah. So they haven't named this officer yet. The officer is a what they're calling seven year veteran of the force and. So he's a practiced fascist. The way that this went down is that Patrick Leoya was pulled over for a license plate not matching the car, I believe, yeah. is what the issue was. And he was... Capital crime. Capital he, crime. He was confronted by the police officer. I think there was some confusion. The police officer asked him if he spoke English. So I, I think there was some confusion about I what think, was happening. I think he's originally from Ghana, I believe. They, I think they say it. Oh, the, the, is it Congo? Yeah. Uh, they say it in the clip. And so then Patrick runs after some words are exchanged. And uh, the cop pulls a taser and tries to tase him twice, misses. And they get into a physical altercation. At some point, the body camera is turned off. Shocking. Right. The, Shocking. The cops say that this was accidental. Mm-hmm. Of course. Luckily, Patrick had a passenger that was recording. And the cell phone video caught the footage of what you characterized it, Jesse, as an execution. And the reason that you characterize it that way, for people who have not seen it, is that the cop is on Patrick's back. Patrick is face down on the ground. The cop takes his gun out and shoots him in the back of the head. Yeah. Unarmed, by the way. Patrick's unarmed. Yeah. It is, I mean, at this point, 
I, I don't know what else to say when these things happen. It is so disgusting. It is so tragic. Another thing, though, some how the sausage is made um, is that we we go through and we watch a lot of clips about these stories. I think sometimes when people listen to the show, they think maybe we just typed in whatever we want to talk about into YouTube and we find the first clip about it that we want to play and we play it on the show. I listened to several clips discussing this particular story and the reason that I chose the one that we're going to play and it's CNN is because it was the only one that mentioned that the body camera somehow got turned off somehow got turned off and I think that that is something that is missing from this reporting and I don't understand why the media isn't talking about that in every news package that they are putting out for public consumption it is well one it's not like uh you know, just you barely bump the button and it goes off. That's not how the mechanism on a body cam works. It's a steps process. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't just, oh, I bumped it and it turned off. Sorry, guys. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the fact that it was turned off accidentally, it was intentionally turned off. Yeah, and this was another situation where after public outcry, the videos were released and one has to wonder again where we would be with this case had the cell phone video not captured this incident. Oh, I, I would have been lots of lies and subterfuge. It would have been, oh, he, he reached for my gun right. or some other nonsense. Right. But the facts remain. An unarmed man who was pulled over for a traffic stop was shot in the back of the head at point blank range by a cop obviously armed, who had turned his camera off and was right on top of him. What what else do you need to know? Ugh, here's that clip. Police in Grand Rapids, Michigan, released video of a deadly encounter after an officer shot and killed 26-year-old Patrick Leoya during a traffic stop last week. The officer is white, Leoya is black, are seen wrestling on the ground before the fatal shot is fired. Now, there is an ongoing investigation into the officer's actions. Seen as Omar Jimenez live in Grand Rapids with the latest on this. Omar, what have you learned? Well, John, the investigation is with Michigan State Police and ongoing, even though this video was released now in the name of transparency. As a result of what was on the video, we saw protests by the hundreds. New story, same feeling, calling for justice in the name of Patrick Leoya as a result, or after, I should say, he was killed in a way at least one family representative described as execution style. A struggle. A gunshot, a black man dead on the streets of Grand Rapids, Michigan. A police officer now under investigation for shooting 26-year-old Patrick Leoya in the head. A frustrated community demanding answers. Stay in the car! On April 4th, police say Leoya was pulled over for improper registration on the car he was driving, though did not elaborate on why they were looking in the first place. Just a few minutes into the stop, Leoya starts to run. No, 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 stop, stop. The officer catches Leoya. The two begin to wrestle. Then the officer uses a taser. But it fails to make impact. The officer's body camera turns off during the struggle. Police say it was unintentional. But the passenger in Leoya's car was recording this cell phone video and captured what happens next. Drop! 
taser! We are determined to get this right. Authorities now facing tough questions like whether the officer's life was in enough jeopardy to draw his gun. So a taser is not per se a deadly weapon. The taser is what would be known as an intermediate weapon. Intermediate weapon would have the potential to to cause death. It would have the potential to cause great bodily harm, but uh, not necessarily. Leoya was a Congolese refugee. The chief saying a potential language barrier is part of the investigation. The family's lawyer, Ben Crump, contends Leoya was confused by the encounter and terrified for his life. The NAACP adding, an unregistered license plate should not be a death sentence. The The still unidentified officer has been stripped of his police powers but remains on paid leave pending the official state investigation. We will see transparency. We will see truth. Now, once that investigation is done, the results will be given to the police department for any potential disciplinary action, but also to the county prosecutor for any potential charges as well. Meanwhile, later today, we're expecting to hear from the family and Ben Crump, who has not only called for the firing of this still unnamed officer, but also his arrest and prosecution as well, John. So I also appreciate about this news package from CNN that he said that the police did not elaborate on why they were running the plates in the first place. Now, this is the kind of framing that we need to hear in these stories. Because why was he being targeted in the first place? I mean, that's an important question to ask. What was the motivation there? But by the way, Grand Rapids, um, on on the spectrum of conservative to liberal, not great. Grand Rapids, not great. Yeah. Well, and also, so you have the confusion. You have the cop asking if he speaks English and then also increasing the conflict by the increased hostility in his voice, which even if you don't speak English, you can read body language. You can tell when someone is speaking to you in a more aggressive way. Especially when you're a seven-year veteran. Yeah, and so he's escalating this this conflict. I mean, again, this this continues to happen. And and what's strange to me is that these cops are also seeing this happen, right? That's why they are banding together with their Blue Lives Matter flags and their Blue Lives Matter memorabilia on their their cars and their jackets, whatever whatever that is, and they still aren't getting it that you can't shoot someone because they are running from right. a traffic stop. Yeah. It's not up to you. Let's let's say that he was grabbing for the taser, which I'm not willing to, to say yet because I don't know. But even if he was, it's going to be interesting to see police who have used tasers and then justify the use of tasers mm. on civilians who say, oh, it's non-lethal, it's non-lethal, it's non-lethal. Oh, no, no, it's just a taser. It's non-lethal. It's non-lethal. Right. No deal. It's non-lethal. Right, right. How they're going to flip now and like, well, he was grabbing for my taser. It's, what did he say? It's intermediary. What word did he use? He didn't use non-lethal. Right. So how are they going to explain his fear for his life mm-hmm. from this non-lethal weapon? Well, you're so fearful for your life that you're running after the person. Right. And tackling them to the ground and when fighting you're the them. One, you're the one with the gun. Yeah, you're physically fighting someone that you're so afraid of that they're going to take your life. I mean, if I'm afraid of someone who's going to take my life, I'm not running after them and trying to trap them in a fight. Yeah. I'm trying to escape from someone that I think is going to hurt me. 
it'll also be very interesting to learn whether or not he had the ID of Patrick. Because if he knows who he is, then let him go. You go get him later. Mm -hmm. You don't need to murder him on someone's lawn while he's unarmed. Mm -hmm. Seriously, he pulls his gun and shoots him in the back of the head. If there was six inches between the, the, the muzzle of the gun and his skull, I would be shocked. Yeah. It was that close. So we will absolutely, obviously be following the story, and we would love to know your feelings, where you are, if you live in Michigan, if you live in Grand Rapids, uh, we'd love to know, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Well, continuing with the theme of the benefits of recording the police, Arizona is attempting to take steps to ban people from recording police uh i believe it was up to eight feet away you have to be more than eight feet from a police officer in order to record them state senators in arizona set to vote on a bill that would ban people from filming cops unless they're at least eight feet away from them penalties for filming a cop up close would include up to 30 days in jail the state's house of representatives already passed their proposal and it comes after both oklahoma and florida passed laws that could punish people for posting videos online that include officers personal information valerie castro now with the push to restrict recordings Cell phone video of the murder of George Floyd ignited a movement, but some states are considering laws that would restrict the ability to record police officers. Nothing good comes from getting close to a cop in a tense situation. Arizona State Representative and former New York Port Authority police officer John Kavanaugh wants to pass a bill to ban recording police within eight feet unless you have their consent. You can photograph the scene easily from eight feet away with today's very sophisticated cell phones. Who's there to to enforce this or measure it? Well, no one's there with a tape measure. Everybody pretty much knows what eight feet is. He says he based the bill in part on a past Supreme Court ruling. And that involved uh, people coming and going from abortion clinics and protesters. And the Supreme Court said that it was reasonable to maintain an eight-foot barrier. K.M. Bell, an attorney with the ACLU of Arizona, argues the two can't be compared. The law that was upheld by the United States Supreme Court had a knowingly approach requirement. So you had to deliberately approach. This bill would allow the officer to create the crime. All they have to do is send one officer to approach that person. And when the officer gets within eight feet of the individual recording, suddenly they're committing a crime. New York City Mayor and former police officer Eric Adams says individuals have created unsafe situations, getting too close to NYPD officers during instances of arrest and protests. If your iPhone can't catch that picture, would you be in at a safe distance that you need to upgrade your iPhone? Stop being on top of my police officers while they're carrying out their jobs. But those who oppose the Arizona bill argue officers already have tools to address interference like implementing street closures and that this one won't hold up in court. It's clearly unconstitutional and will certainly generate litigation. Here in New York, the State Assembly passed the Right to Monitor Act in 2020, and that does protect the public's right to record police officers. The Arizona bill does have some exceptions to it, and Representative Kavanaugh says it will not apply to individuals who are the subject of a police encounter unless they're being searched or put in handcuffs. He says it also won't apply to people who are in cars during traffic stops. Carl?
So it's not surprising that we are seeing this given the increase in videos capturing police behaving badly, which has led to, in some cases, actual consequences for those police officers. In a few cases. Well, that's what I'm saying. In a few cases where in the past that was unheard of. Yeah, never. Cops just didn't get prosecuted at all or no charges at all. Yeah, but now it's trending in this direction where society is starting to say, hey, no, this is unacceptable. Now that people are recording, all of a sudden all these cops are killing people. Wait, people are putting two and two together. Right. And now they're like, oh, let's try to... Let's try to reel this in. Well, I mean, that is what it is. I mean, it, it's it's only logical that, oh, we're being caught murdering citizens on video. How can we, uh, what do we do? Oh, let's ban people from videoing us. Mm-hmm. Then we won't get caught anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry. Well, and we can just see how this is a slippery slope. As discussed in the clip where a cop sees someone recording, approaches them, is then within that six feet distance, uh, eight feet distance. Right. And hey, what are you doing as they approach? And then, oh, you record me. I was f- five feet from you. Right. Yeah. And then if they, if some sort of conflict ensues, you're resisting arrest, it can lead to other problems. And when we have a term test lying because cops lie so much yes. at work that they've created a term to identify it. We're not in a place where we can trust the police to do the right thing in these cases. And this would be giving them more power when they do not need more power because they have shown that they are not capable of wielding that power in a responsible way. Again, one more theme of the episode. When are we going to dis- dispense with this age-old mantra of conservatives being suspicious of government and small government right. when all they want to do is give more and more and more money and power and um, amnesty to armed agents of the state who are murdering unarmed citizens. Right. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Every person who has any libertarian leaning whatsoever should be fucking outraged by this. Absolutely. But instead... Trump 2024, Ah, I'm a libertarian. No, you're not. You don't even fucking have any concept of what that means, you dumb fuck. Oh, boy. Well, speaking of dumb fucks. (laughs) It's the asshole of today. Technically, it's Bill Maher and Joe Rogan, but it's, (laughs) I guess it's Bill Maher on the Joe Rogan experience. And, you know, Joe Rogan got in some in some hot water. He released a statement about how he's going to do better and make sure that he's hearing from all sides. And so who does he invite on to talk about vaccines? Well, Bill Maher, of course. Well, because he he always told I always give these conservatives, I'm going to have a liberal on. <laughs> well, and first of all, this is going to be a moment of a mutual tooting of the horn because for years... We have talked about Bill Maher being anti-science. Anti-vax and anti-science and anti-trans, by the way. Anti-GMO yeah. as well yeah, yeah, is yeah. part of that anti-science Bill Maher approach that we have highlighted many times on the show. Much to people's chagrin, by the way. A we lot have, of pushback. We have received a lot of pushback over even the years. Even recently on Bill Maher. Absolutely, but even I would say we started this criticism of him more than five years ago yeah, about yeah, being yeah. anti-science because the the signs were always there if you weren't 
a sycophant for Bill Maher, then it would have been clear. Oh, listen, if you think his jokes are funny, you might not agree with us. But if you understand what humor is. (laughs) Okay, okay. So if you have been previously on the fence because you have loving feelings for Bill Maher. Like maybe he ushered you into atheism or your, your faith was deteriorating and, and, and you found comfort in the ideas that he espoused in, like, Religious, um, Religious the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we get that. I get that. But you got to be, you got to face reality on reality's terms, and he is an anti-science, anti-vax nutter butter. And this should make it very clear. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I probably have, but it's like, I don't know. I would trust that it came from the CDC if they if they personally admitted, yes, this is or the people who make the vaccine. Um, anybody else? I don't know. But then again, they could be lying. I also don't tell them don't trust them to tell me the truth about whether they did put it in there. And I don't know what the fucking shit is. That I don't, I, maybe, maybe maybe it's the stuff in Twinkies, right. and maybe it's the rocket fuel that you right. take to look right. like that at your age. I don't know what the fuck it is, or if it's going to be bad for me. Here's here's my thing about my overarching theme always about anything medical is everyone else I feel or most people are giving us too much credit for where we are medically because we are, of course further along than we used to be. You know, we're not putting wooden teeth into people. Right. You know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago they were rubbing dirt into wounds. I mean, just some really stupid fucking things that people did who are calling themselves doctors. So obviously we've come a long way just in the last hundred years. But my point of view is that we are still at the infancy of understanding how the human body works. So I'm going to pause it there. Yeah, because if we, <laughs> if we... As a society, yeah, or as a infancy, science, sure. as medicine is a science. Yes, let's say, let's say the experts have this infancy of understanding that Bill Maher is talking about. Then what does Bill Maher have? It's like negative. Yeah. And he's I'm, like a fucking caveman. I mean, please, it, please. They know far more than you, even if Bill Maher... We are at our infancy in understanding the human body. Don't tell me things like, just do what we say. Don't question it. When have we ever been wrong? A lot. All the time. been wrong a lot. (laughs) And you just don't know a lot. You haven't cured cancer. I'm not blaming you for that. I know you're trying. But... And I could name a thousand other things you haven't cured. Parkinson's and MS and Lyme disease. You just don't know very much. It's not an insult. You just don't. If you can't tell me exactly why people get cancer, and mostly you can't. Obviously, smokers get lung cancer. Other than that, it's not obvious who gets it or why. So I assume when if, if, if Bill Maher gets cancer... He's going to deny treatment from the infant brain doctors mm-hmm. who will be at the ready to treat him. Yeah. Is, is that what we're to understand? I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know what confluence of things that are put in my... There's so many thousand things that could change it. How much mercury do I have in my system? How much tuna fish did I eat? How, much, how, how often do I hold the phone up to my head? A million things. How many x-rays have I have? What are my genetics? 
So just don't tell me, well, we are perfectly certain that this vaccine is safe or we are perfectly certain that these x-rays are a low dose and they won't. You don't fucking know that. <laughs> you don't know what all these different things. There's like 50,000 chemicals we have in our body that we didn't have 100 years ago. You don't know what the interchange of all these elements is doing to me. And me personally, it might be different than you. So just don't have that attitude of just get it in you. Because yeah. we are the people who know. You're Not just pe- that, but they're making insane amounts of profit from that. And we're, yes. s- we're supposed to pretend that they've been honest about the risks of things in the past. And they've they've been, uh, you know, like that Vioxx tragedy where they pitched they, that they, anti-inflammatory medication that wound up killing at least 50,000 people. They've taken hundreds of drugs off the market. Yeah. I mean, some all the of, time. They do it every year. Right. So there's so much here. There's so much here. But I want to say that this is fundamentally a conversation between two people who do not respect science because science is full of uncertainty. The entire goal of science is to inch a little closer toward finding the truth incrementally. And and it doesn't happen on a firm timetable. It doesn't happen during a three hour fucking Joe Rogan podcast. No, it's not a clean process. It's very messy and it takes a very long time, especially when you're dealing with things that are very complicated. And for Bill Maher to say, well, you haven't figured cancer out. Why am I supposed to believe anything you say? I mean, it's fallacious. It's logically fallacious to speak in these terms. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing actually to listen to two people, dumb fucks, two people speak with such smug confidence in what they're saying when they sound so completely clueless. Because when you talk to scientists, Bill Maher said that that he's hearing from the CDC or whoever. That it's perfectly safe and all this. Yeah, that they say, just do what we say, don't question it, when have we ever been wrong? If you listen to actual scientists, including, by the way, uh, the leader of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, I I believe, and Dr. Fauci, they make room for uncertainty. They try to encourage that within the public. Now, have they made mistakes during this? Oh, absolutely. Have they made missteps? Absolutely. Has science made mistakes? Absolutely. But you know those medications that they're talking about that have been pulled from the market? Do you know how that happened? That's science, self-correcting. That's right. Yeah. That is finding out that there are issues, that is researching those issues, and that is correcting those mistakes. And that's what science does. So fundamentally, these are two people who do not respect the process. Yeah. Well, also, there's 50,000 more. I mean, they're just naming numbers. They want to they hold science to this exact, until you can cure cancer, until you can give me with 100% certainty, I don't want to hear it. And then they're loosey-goosey with everything he's making claims about. Like, whoever said the vaccine is perfectly safe? No one says that. Well, it's also the nebulous language of Joe Rogan saying, and they are making profits. Right. You know, speak in more precise terms, Joe. Tell us who is uh, making all the profits. He? No. I mean, that's he, he is self-described a fucking idiot. Well, then he should stop having these really serious conversations. Yes, he should. Because what it is doing is sowing distrust in the CDC, in organizations that actually work to save people's lives. And I'm not saying these organizations are perfect. I'm not saying the representatives for these organizations are perfect, but I trust them a hell of a lot more than I trust someone like Joe Rogan and Bill Maher who fundamentally misunderstand what science is. Or distort 
meaningfully, I mean, willfully. Yeah, and fundamentally have a disrespect for the process of science. Because Bill Maher, for being a skeptic, for being an atheist, for being someone who... Air quotes, air quotes. ...who rejects religious fundamentalism and that that certainty that a lot of religious fundamentalists walk around with the dogma. This is a type of dogma of not making room for uncertainty in your own position and not even being able to recognize it in other people, feeling like people are coming down on you, telling you what to do related to medicine. Yeah. Rather than understanding that within scientific communities, it is prized. It is something that is encouraged to have a skeptical mind and to be uncertain about what you're finding. Also, I find it just fucking laughable that, well, what's in it? I don't know what's in that. And they're making lots of money. Mm -hmm. So all those supplements that he's being paid millions of dollars to rep. Oh, right, yeah. I guess that's a charity he's repping. He's repping a charitable operation who are selling their supplements that he knows every single ingredient and how it interacts with his body. He knows, he knows, he knows. Mm -hmm. So please, let this be the moment that you dispense with the idea that Bill Maher is pro-science, pro-vaccine, whatever you believe he has been. Let's say that you have been someone who's been emailing us and writing us and calling us. There's been many. And very upset with us about our position on Bill Maher. But please let this be the time that you finally accept. And by the way, I welcome your call now. And I welcome your email to say, oh, shit. You know what? I'm a smart person, and I'm going to change my mind when my understanding of the situation changes. Just like, by the way, I have done, Jesse Dollimore has done, thousands of times. And I'm not ashamed or afraid to do so. Well, just like I did about Bill Maher as well, because what you said about Religious, I loved that movie. I saw it at the Flicks. When I was... That's a movie theater in Boise. Younger. I remember going to the flicks to see it. I think I brought my mom. And I loved it. It, I felt like it changed a lot of things for me. It changed a lot of my understanding. But just like with Dr. Drew, you get some time under your belt and you start understanding people to be more complex than you originally thought that they were. Absolutely. And... That's what we got to do with these people that we previously had on a pedestal. So we welcome your calls. We welcome your opinion on this matter, on this particular asshole of today. Assholes of today. Six fives. I'm going to say the number very clearly. 657-464-7609. For those of you who had not gotten a pin yet, one more time. 657-464-7609. And we also welcome your voice memos from your smartphone emailed to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for allowing me a little smugness. <laughs> Did you have smugness? I'm just kind of being a prick, really driving it home. You know. I, I think it's working. The smugness? Yeah. Or the admitting that I'm a smug prick sometimes? Both. Good deal. Anyway, if you appreciate the smug prickishness, the Jesse Dollimore, I'm now I'm talking about myself in the third person like You've a dumb twice. fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, we would invite you to help support and produce what we do here on the show. You can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. And there you can pick your tier and become a patron of the show, helping produce what we do. We love you guys. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, 
I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.